I want you to want me. Welcome to Let's Talk About Sex Really. Real talk, pleasure-focused, shame-free. I'm your host, Dr. Elisa Kriegel, and I am really excited to be here for episode number two. Knowledge is pleasure. New discoveries about desire. Cheap Trick Live started us off today with the classic, I want you to want me. And when you think about it, desire is so much about being wanted, feeling wanted, wanting, desiring someone else. So that's where we're going to begin. I want you to think about yourself and a relationship you may be in or maybe have been in in the past. And what is that connection with feeling wanted by a partner? Does that make you feel better about yourself? Does it make you feel more sexy? Does it make you want to have sex more? Um, I want you to also think about how you have felt towards a partner if you are wanting and desiring them. And if you're not, does that change you wanting to have sex with them? And I'm not talking about not liking the person, not wanting to be with the person, but really wanting and desiring sex. Does it affect how much you want to be sexual. Even just thinking about yourself, do you have to sort of feel a sense of desire to masturbate or to regularly engage in something sexual? So one of the most common things I hear from couples or individuals is that they're just not in the mood. They just don't feel a desire for sex anymore. And in fact, if that's something that you've experienced, it's very common. And low desire is one of the most um, common issues. In fact, medical research researchers and drug companies have been talking about for decades wanting to find what they call a pink pill, the equivalent of a Viagra for women, something that would raise their desire. And in, in fact, I've had many female clients ask about, um, is there something they can take to get that sense of desire back? Um, we're going to talk a lot about the reasons for what could bring about low desire, um, Sometimes it can just be a whole host of stressors. It can be medication. We'll talk about that in our in my episode about um, sexless marriages. 
But for now, what I want to look at is this concept of low desire, of not being in the mood. Because if you think about it, um, when I asked you to think about your relationships, does is that if you're not feeling a sense of desire or want or feeling wanted, is that something that has been a part of decreasing sex in your life with your partner? So the discoveries that I'm going to be talking about address this idea of desire, right? There's that old joke or punchline that we hear, not tonight, dear, I have a headache, right? As the excuse people always come up with, why not to have sex? And so the question that I want to look at with this new research is, do you need to feel desire to have sex? So the first thing that's really important to understand, I think, is we've all been educated or miseducated um, around sex because the information we've gotten is pretty dated that there is this model which started back in the 1960s, Masters and Johnson, who were doing incredible sex research, especially given the time. Um, they mapped out what they saw as the model for sexual response. Um, later on, that was slightly modified. A researcher named Helen Kaplan added actually this part of desire to it. Now, if we think about it in the lab, Masters and Johnson had people come in and sort of like make themselves comfortable and then masturbate and they recorded it. So there was probably not a lot of comfort and not a lot of desire. So their model started with arousal. Uh, Helen Kaplan came in and said, wait, there's this thing before that. And she looked at desire. So the model basically goes in a linear way, start, middle, finish, first comes desire for sex, then would be stimulation and arousal, a short plateau. And finally, some of the time, orgasm and resolution. We'll come back to the orgasm in another episode um, because there's actually a really interesting thing that happens with orgasm called an orgasm gap. The orgasm gap is what people have looked at and reported that men, a um, significantly higher percentage of the time, finish sex with an orgasm. Whereas women, much less frequently, have an orgasm at the finish of sex. So we'll come back to that since we're starting at the beginning, the beginning of the model, which is desire. So the first important discovery is that there are actually two types of desire. So the first type of desire is called spontaneous desire is really what we're thinking about when like you just see something, you want sex, the wind blows the right way, you see someone's ankle, whatever it is, and you're immediately turned on. The second type of desire is really important to understand, and that's called responsive desire, which is exactly what it sounds like. 
you seldom are going to want sex automatically, but if you're aroused, then you will become responsive. So you might first need touch or a slower buildup, but with arousal comes desire. So this is really interesting because it really changes the narrative and the story that you may have been telling yourself. And if you are someone who is a responsive desire person, then you may not be in the mood. So what does that mean for your relationship? What does that mean for you and sex? You know, there's so much I think that happens around the sort of stories we have in our heads, the cultural stories that are out there, and our sense of ourselves as fitting in or doing things right or being broken, and you're not, right? So if someone, you know, I've had couples who sort of say, hey, I'm the, I'm the one who initiates all the time. My partner never initiates and it makes me feel like they don't want me or they don't want sex. And it may just be that one person is a spontaneous desire and the other is responsive desire. So knowing that is going to change the way you can start seeing your experience of how you get into sex, how this happens, how how you connect with your partner, or how maybe you set yourself up to masturbate that it's not gonna just be like you see something and you're turned on, but that you might just need to create a space for that to happen. So the idea is not that you have to rip each other's clothes off and be completely turned on, but more that there has to be willingness and openness. And here's the thing. This is where the talking about sex comes in, that you and your partner have to talk about this to understand how each of you respond and where desire fits into the picture. So this is, this is game changing. Um, I hope, you know, this is something that you can sit with and see, does this play into some of the narratives of your sex life? And is this something that a conversation could change? I always think a conversation can change anything, at least. So this is about getting open, getting honest, and a willingness to just talk about this. The next piece of new information is based on the model we talked about earlier as well. And it's a new model that was basically discovered not until 2006. So this is still really very new. Eric Jansen and John Bancroft from the Kinsey Institute discovered what they call the dual control model of sexual response. So there's what they realized in the brain is there is a sexual excitation system, what they call the SES, and a sexual inhibition system. Now, the person who really popularized this model was people were not reading the medical journals and the sexual health journals, but an amazing sex educator, her name's Emily Nagoski. 
She has a doctorate in human sexuality. And her book, which came out in 2015, is brilliant and highly recommended for everyone with a vagina, everyone who loves someone with a vagina. Like, this is how to understand your own body and how it works. So the book is called Come As You Are, The Surprising New Science That Will Transform Your Sex Life. So um, Emily talks about the dual control model and looks at it as a car, right? So you sort of have your brakes and your gas pedal, your accelerator and your brakes. And the idea behind sexual response is that you want to figure out what turns on the ons and turns off the offs. So I think we all have an idea what the what the gas pedal is. You have to kind of know for yourself what what are your turn ons, what get you excited, what makes you feel sexy, what makes you want to have sex, what feels great during sex. That, in fact, that's the piece that when women or men have had low desire in their relationship, the advice in the past has usually been to do more to turn on the ons, right? Do more, have more play, have more foreplay, have more, you know, have foreplay start even before you have sex. All of that is great. However, if your foot is on the brake, the car might go, but barely. So what the brakes are is basically anything that your brain deems a good reason not to have sex. Any any stressors, any pain that you might have had in the past, any traumas, right? It can be it can be very deep and very complicated to resolve, but it can also be more simple things like just stress, even just thinking about are the kids okay? Are they going to walk in on us? Um, is there dishes in the sink? Did I have to finish that project for work? Like anything that is occupying your mind and making you feel like maybe this isn't a good idea is going to keep you turned off from sex. So here's another huge game changer. So we've been thinking about this as you should just have desire for your partner because they're, you're just so madly wanting to have sex with them and tear their clothes off. And if you don't have desire, there's something wrong. And if you don't want to have sex or are feeling nervous or can't get into it, there's something wrong. And really, we've not been understanding how this all works. So I want you to take some time to again, really look at yourself and what are the things that kind of get get you going, but what are all the things in your brain that kind of keep you from wanting to have sex? Now, what's also really interesting is it's been found that everyone has a different system. So some people have a really sensitive break. It there's a like it doesn't take much and just your brake is pushed way to the floor. 
And some people have a really sensitive gas pedal, so it doesn't take much and they're turned on. Um, so really a big part of this is just learning where you're at with that. Um, if you take a look at Emily Nagoski's book, she has a whole bunch of quizzes and things in there, how to determine where you are with this and, and what your own personal style and way of responding is. I will also post some links to those quizzes on, on my Instagram. And um, you can try that for yourself. Try that with, with a partner. Really start understanding how you work. So with that said, that's the information. I'm going to leave you with that. I think it's a lot to think about. Um, in some cases, just a quick note, it does seem to fall along gender lines in a, in a, in a significant way, but that also doesn't mean that it is only men who have, who have the spontaneous desire and have like a really easy gas pedal. Um, or only women who have vice versa, it really goes across gender. And there's a huge variety across all men and women in how we respond, because we're all unique. There's not one way of doing this. And for some reason, we've all been shown one way or just a very narrow, narrow scope of how sex looks in the cultural norms that we're presented. So I really want you to start challenging, challenging the social norms, challenging what you've been taught, challenging what you believe, challenging the story you tell yourself or the story that's been told between you and, and a partner as couples. Start challenging that to really get in touch with this broader view and wider understanding of who you are as a sexual being and how you respond. So with that, I will leave you. Thank you so much for listening. Again, my Instagram is let's talk about sex underscore really. Please share, please comment. I look forward to talking to you more next time. Come on. Let's talk about sex, baby.